0: If you're looking for inspiration and challenge in the world of early years and key stage one education, then you've just found it. Welcome to the Early Excellence Podcast. Just before we get started with this week's episode of the podcast, I just wanted to let you know about our national briefing, which is coming up. Um, we're, We're offering the national briefing this time as both a webinar and a face-to-face session. So you can really access it in whatever way is best for you. We're gonna be looking at moderation in relation to the early learning goals. And also we're going to really look closely at the guidance around evidence gathering and assessment within the EYFS, because that's such a hot topic at the moment. So yeah, join us on Monday, the 21st of March. That's a webinar session. Or if you would prefer a face-to-face session, it would be great to welcome you here to our centre. We've got a session here on Tuesday the 29th of March, which is a face-to-face session here at the Early Excellence Centre in Huddersfield. If you want to know more about the sessions, um, then have a look on the Early Excellence website for details. Hello everybody, I hope you're well. Um, Andy here. Welcome along to episode 24 of the Early Excellence Podcast. Um, it was great to see so many of you here at the Early Excellence Centre for our free spring into spring event that happened just last week. Um, yeah, loads of you um, joined us face to face here at the centre, which was great. The centre was really buzzing. Um, there were cakes and there were sort of lots of people exploring the centre. It was great to have that real buzz about the place. Um, but also, alongside that, lots of you joined us online as well. Um, that's kind of that new way of working, isn't it? That kind of hybrid model where we are, um, we are offering face-to-face things. Alongside that, we are streaming things as well so that people can view online from where, wherever they happen to be. So we heard from people who were watching at school, some people who were watching from home, people who were watching in their teams as well. Um, yeah, great to hear from so many people who really enjoyed the session. So if you haven't yet um, watched our our free spring into spring twilight if you haven't yet got a spring in your step around spring then well don't panic because you can still see it you, you haven't missed it really um, it's available to watch online still so if you go onto the early excellence website um you'll find the link there um we'll, we'll put the link actually within the information to the podcast so if you have if you have missed it you haven't missed it don't worry about it Okay, Um, on to this week's episode of the podcast. In this week's recorded piece, we're gonna explore how our learning environment really needs to be valued as a key part of our curriculum in the early years. Okay, so here you go, hope you enjoy it. Such a lot of focus at the moment, isn't there? on the importance of curriculum ownership, the idea of owning what happens within your classroom, that understanding of your vision for the EYFS, thinking carefully about what it is that you're aiming to do and how you're going to carry that out, that link between your curriculum and your pedagogy. So at this point, I think it's important to have a think, think really carefully, what is your vision for your EYFS? How you go about creating this vision is important. Thinking carefully about how it fits with your own ethos, how it fits with your own approach to the EYFS, that's important. It's of course important also that you think carefully about when you're creating your vision, you think carefully about the needs of your children. That we're aiming to create a curriculum of course that will meet the needs of your children. So, Thinking carefully about what you know about your children is crucial. Thinking carefully about what we know about our children on entry. What does your baseline information tell you? What does it tell you about the needs of your children? What do your observations, your ongoing observations of your children tell you about what they're needing your curriculum to be like? And crucially, how does your classroom space fit? that curriculum vision, and what you're aiming to achieve there. Do your early years classroom spaces truly reflect your vision for learning? So have they come together in a way which is carefully planned? Have you thought carefully about which areas of provision relate to one another? Which areas of provision need to be near one another? Which areas of provision can be joined together to make one space? Have you thought carefully about which areas of provision children will likely to go to where they go between one and another area? Those links between different spaces are important and they can lead to rich opportunities for learning. So we have to think about how we create our classroom environments. In the early years, of course, young children learn through a wonderful mix of dynamic, hands-on learning experiences. And they're supported in doing this by highly skilled adults who have, and really need to have, a thorough understanding of child development. The early years curriculum is continually delivered through the many experiences that we provide for our children, through the resources that we use, through the interactions that we build into the play that's happening around us. And also, of course, it's a balancing act. So it's not just about that, but about the direct teaching that can occur throughout the day, also at different points and in different contexts. That actually direct teaching is not just about carpet or the group table, but actually direct teaching can be something broader than that, can't it? that actually we can be directly teaching a skill alongside an individual child within a provision area. We can be directly teaching something in a range of different contexts, which is why, is why it's important, I think, to think carefully about what our vision is for our curriculum. Because otherwise, unless we think carefully about it, then there often ends up being a real divide between what happens in a traditionally directed sense, and what happens in a child-initiated sense. That often they end up being two opposite ends of a spectrum. When actually, if we are using our, our environments effectively, we can blur those boundaries between those two distinct parts of teaching And we can ensure that actually we are making our learning experiences meaningful to the children, giving them opportunities to embed learning, but also opportunities for adults to engage in meaningful learning alongside the children, where they can add in moments of direct teaching. All of this, of course, means that the learning environment is inextricably linked to how and what children learn and how it can be valued very much as a teacher. In fact, Reggio approaches talk a lot, don't they, about the environment being the third teacher. So well worth considering when you think about your approach, your current approach, how much is your environment valued? Is it valued as a third teacher? So in terms of Reggio approaches, they talk a lot about that idea of the parent and the adult within the school setting being teachers. But that the third teacher behind them is their environment, that the the opportunity for hands-on learning. So in your setting, in your classroom, in your learning environment, think about that space. Is it really valued? Is it carefully thought through? Is it carefully planned for? Have the materials and the resources earned their place on the shelf in each of those different areas? Do you know the reasoning behind why it's there? Do you know the reasoning behind each of the materials, each of the resources and what they can offer, but also how they will support the role of the adult in nurturing, in supporting children's learning and also that directed teaching of skills? Let's have a look now at that idea of development and progression of skills, as well as Encouraging children's independence and nurturing a wide range of learning behaviours, a well-planned and carefully resourced environment supports the acquisition, the development, and of course, the progression of skills and competencies. It's really important, therefore, to consider how the space that you have and how you, how you, you make it available, how it can best provide opportunities and the right conditions for learning. So to think carefully about how we use those spaces to help children to feel secure, to help them feel confident, to help them feel, feel empowered. Part of that is about offering continuous provision, something that doesn't change throughout the year, that we're not swapping and changing and really changing it around the children, but that actually they know what they're coming into. They know what's going to be there. So what's always going to be there so that on a morning, if somebody says to them, what do you think you're going to do today? Then we are already nurturing those skills, those self-regulation skills and those, that, those thinking skills of being able to plan, of being able to think through, to plan ahead what I'm going to do next. Those are really important learning skills, aren't they? And continuous provision supports that, of course, the continuity, the familiarity supports those those thinking skills. What else to consider here? Well, of course, we have to consider two elements, don't we? We have to consider that our learning environment needs to support what the children are learning. So the, that curriculum content in terms of what is being learned there, when the children are using and exploring a wide range of materials. So the what is important. But alongside that, we also have to consider the how they're going about learning. And that, of course, should link to our vision and our values that we mentioned just before. So what are we aiming for? That's a really important question to ask, isn't it? What are we aiming for? What will a typical child at the end of their time with us, what will they be like as a learner? What do we want them to be like? How will their experiences within our setting shape what they're like as a learner? All of those are really important questions to ask. So it's really important to consider what we're aiming for. Independent learners, children who can express their own ideas in different ways, children who can be collaborative, work alongside other children, children who develop language skills, opportunities for speaking and listening. So all of those opportunities for for going about learning in in different ways will support how our children develop as a learner. So one of the things you might want to consider is how does your learning environment promote promote the characteristics of effective learning? really important that i think that we use the characteristics of effective learning as such a crucial tool to support our practice so have the list the characteristics of effective learning in front of you have a look around you have a look at the different areas of provision that you provide focus in on those characteristics where are you seeing children having their own ideas and carrying those ideas out Where are you seeing children enjoying achieving what they've set out to do? Where do you see children making links, making connections in their learning? So use it as an audit tool. Use the characteristics as an audit tool to reflect on your practice and link it to your vision for your curriculum. Alongside that, I think it's important to relate your vision and what you're aiming to carry out in terms of your curriculum to key research. In particular, one piece of research, one, one large piece of research from Professor Farah Lavas. In fact, a huge body of research into the importance of well-being and involvement in the learning process. I think if we're thinking carefully about research-driven practice, then we have to consider the importance of levels of well-being and levels of involvement in that learning process. So you might want to consider this as an idea. Reflect on levels of well-being and levels of involvement in your different provision areas. Do you feel that your provision areas that you have created support children in developing high levels of involvement? Do you see them highly engaged in what they're doing, really focused, really concentrated? If not, why not? What's missing? Is it that the structure of the room isn't right? Is it too open? Are children being distracted by everything else around them? If so, do you need to go back to that structure and think about corners and bays around your room? What about that idea of working together and collaborating, sharing ideas, having that high level of well-being where children are alongside others, feel supported, feel nurtured, feel secure, feel confident? Those different corners and bays can often also lead to more secure children because they feel more confident in the familiarity of what's there, that continuous provision, but also in that this corner of the, of the room is a space that it becomes their space. It becomes something that they, they have ownership of, which again leads to that higher level of well-being. So really important to think about the structure of the room, but also the resources and the materials within them. Do they support your children in developing those characteristics of effective learning? And do they also support your children in developing high levels of well-being and high levels of involvement? Well, we're thinking about the work of Feralavas and also the characteristics of effective learning in really reflecting on whether your current practice in terms of your environment fits with your vision for your curriculum. What else do we need to think about here? Well, we need to think about enhancements, don't we? The idea of adding something in. Now, it's really important here that we don't get carried away. This is something that works alongside continuous provision. Enhancements work alongside continuous provision. They're not a replacement for continuous provision. Enhancements are based on what you observe happening within continuous provision. Enhancements are an addition, a small addition to it based on what you've observed. OK, the reason that I'm stressing this is that I see a lot of practice where people are using enhancements purely as a way of introducing ideas. So looking for ideas, searching for ideas of what I could do in the sand area or the dough area or the water area, searching online for ideas, and then that becomes what happens in those different spaces around the room. Now, in my experience, that quickly gets out of hand if we're not careful. And I would strongly recommend you steer against that, that you don't do that. The reason being is that if we end up looking for lots of ideas for what we can do in those different areas of provision every week, it very quickly gets tenuous. We end up just coming up with ideas and it's not linked to what the needs of the children are. But also, it get we often get carried away with it, meaning that we end up on a, on a Monday morning going through a whole long list of all of the different things that we've added into our room that are new for this week. It's often very labour intensive in terms of the adults, and it takes a lot, a lot of adult time to swap and change things over. And it tends to have decreasing success really over time in that children don't tend to engage with things for as much as much because they know things will keep swapping and changing. Okay, so some key things to consider in terms of enhancements. Don't overload it, okay? Don't overload what you're offering. We don't want death by enhancements. We don't want things to be swapped and changed every single week to such a great extent. So we're talking about maybe two or three additions to your room but they are additions without swapping and changing the continuous provision. They are small additions. Okay. So you don't change over the whole area. Make sure it's meaningful. Make sure it's based on your knowledge of your children and your observations. So the enhancements things that you are adding into your continuous provision as an enhancement are done with your your and your team's full knowledge of why it is you're doing it. Now that of course goes back to what we were saying at the beginning, that really it's important that we have that curriculum ownership, that knowledge of why we're doing what we're doing. And enhancements that are based on our observations mean that there is a trail there, aren't there? We're doing it because we've observed this happening and that this is the next thing that we're going to do to extend our children's knowledge or to challenge their thinking or to challenge a misconception, okay? When you think about enhancements also, you might want to think about how you involve your children in discussions and conversations about what's been added into the room Remember, make it meaningful so we're we're not talking about lots of different things added in. Two, maybe three things a week, no more than that. So involve your children in conversations and discussions. Talk about what's been added. Talk about what what they are doing with it, what they might do with it. Talk about how they got on with it. Talk about what it made us think of and what it links to, what it made us think of in the wider world. Can you show them photographs of different things on your interactive whiteboard that link to what you've introduced, but making links and connections to that wider world? Okay. so by introducing enhancements, we can bring new learning, we can enrich language, we can deepen understanding, we can provide opportunities also to embed learning in a wide range of different contexts. The words of Maria Montessori here, I think, are fantastic. Um, She said this, she said, "'Adults admire their environment. "'They can remember it and think about it, "'but a child absorbs it.'" Now that's such a a great quote there, I think. That is absolutely true and you can see that within children, can't you? You can see that in their faces. When a learning environment is working, you can see it in children's faces. They are absolutely absorbed and engaged. They're completely focused. Which is why, of course, we were just talking about those characteristics of effective learning and well-being and involvement in using those as a tool to really think carefully about whether your environment is working. Okay, so if we consider those words of Maria Montessori, then really, we have to grasp the opportunity, don't we? Grasp that opportunity to create learning environments that really do become that effective and inspiring teacher, that third teacher to our children. Okay, so let's think then about some key questions in relation to your environment and the curriculum. First of all, is your your environment, is it carefully planned? Have you thought carefully about what you have where? Have you thought carefully about the layout and the structure of your room? Do you think, I think it's a good test of this, could you give a tour of your learning environment? I think that's something that's well worth practicing if you haven't done this already. Practice giving somebody else, maybe a colleague of yours within your early years team, practice giving a tour of your learning environment, explaining the thinking, explaining what you what your vision is for the space, why it's been created in that way. Also, does your learning environment fit with your vision and your values? So what are you aiming for? What are you you hoping to achieve? What What are you hoping that your children will develop through learning within that space? So does it meet the needs of your children? Does it fit with what you know the needs of your children are? All of those are crucial questions. And when it comes to continuous provision, are you using it effectively? Is it organised so that it is available consistently? Like we just talked about, is it available consistently in a continuous way, as the name suggests, rather than being swapped and changed over? And that we know why that's important, that security and confidence enabling children to be able to plan out their own thinking, their own ideas. And then finally, what about enhancements? Have you ended up with that process where you're kind of enhancing things to death and overdoing it, or do you feel that it is meaningful and manageable? Are your enhancements based around ideas, ideas that you might get, Pick up externally, maybe online or whatever? Or are your enhancements based on what you know about your children? All of those questions, I think, are key questions in really making sure you have that curriculum ownership, that real understanding of what you're offering and why you are offering it. Okay, so thank you very much for joining us for this week's episode. I hope you found it useful. I hope it's got you thinking, but also maybe helped you to clarify your thinking as well. Um, We'll see you next week. Have a good week, everybody.